of a Yup for May 13th, 2005. The girls of the internet, ooh, I go online with them any day. Aloha and namaste. This is a Yup show number 11. My name is Ryan and mahalo anui loa. Thank you very much for tuning in today. It is Friday the 13th, but uh, you know, ever since I met my wife who was born on the 13th, she says it's a lucky day. So it's a lucky day, folks. It's your lucky day because I've got some great stuff. We'll have some music this week on Hawaii Up, a little R&B uh, pop from a Kalihi kid. We'll see what the wife's thinking, another top five countdown. I've got some great podcasting news, and we'll hear from a few local podcasters on that. And, of course, the answers to last show's self-indulgent quiz. And uh, maybe a little self-deconstruction to go with it. But first, as always, it's time for... Hawaii Up Headlines Around Hawaii and Around the House. Well, uh, Hawaii is breathing a sigh of relief today now that the Pentagon's list of military base closures, the BRAC list, has come out, and uh, Hawaii's extensive network of military installations left relatively unscathed. I, I read that there'll be some shuffling, you know, Pearl Harbor, Hickam changes there, moving things around. A small National Guard office in Honoka'a on the Big Island is closing, but they actually already have a home by the airport. So, you know, compared to some towns in this country where a big base that the whole town depends on is still being shut down or targeted to be shut down, we were pretty lucky. Of course, uh, luck has nothing to do with it. It helps to have friends in high places, to have Senator Dad Enoy specifically on your side, senior senator, decorated war veteran, Senate Appropriations Committee, where all the money is. All hail Dan, man. You know, uh, yeah, leading up to the announcement and uh, all of the worries everybody had, it was interesting to see what different towns were doing. I was reading in the Seattle Times about how some bases there saw our bases in Hawaii as a threat. And just overall to see how the politics work and how towns here will pump up their value and dismiss towns there, it was pretty interesting and, and, and kind of sad. Uh, but we did okay. The thing is, though, we won't always have friends in high places, and, uh, you know, a lot of stuff here, not just military spending, will definitely dry up when Uncle Dad leaves office. There's a reason why he's known to some on the mainland as the King of Pork. He sends a lot of stuff out here, and uh, the military is our economy's second largest engine behind tourism. So right now would probably be a good time to panic, folks. I mean, he's 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 80-something now, and, and people were talking about his retirement in 98. He's still there, but he won't always be. The talk of the town for a while, though, is taxes, a uh, hike in taxes to pay for a mass transit system, presumably light rail here in Honolulu. They're saying, of course, it's pretty much a done deal. This is our, I don't know, third or fourth a uh, big run-up to rail, and uh, most politicians are figuring out that this is our last chance for even a little bit of federal funding. But, uh, you know, despite the fact that this is just a railroad going through our uh, state capitol or city council hall now, i got to hand it to the anti-tax folks. I've been hearing a lot out of them. You know, they're making a lot of noise, letter-writing campaigns, actually showing up at city council meetings. I mean, who has time to do that, right? Uh, good old-fashioned activism. Peter Kay, who uh, started his podcast and blog at VoteHawaii.com. 
he actually was largely inspired by this uh, proposal, this uh, idea to let counties assess a tax on top of the state's tax. And uh, you should go and listen. He's he's very enthusiastic. Hearing that voice that you're used to hearing talk about uh, mouse buttons and menu bars, now getting just incredulous about local politics is quite, quite cool. And, uh, well, you know, I, I was thinking, it's not like there's really a pro-rail movement or actually a pro-tax movement is what they'd have to be because uh, I don't know who's going to cheer that uh, I, I sure as hell don't want to pay more taxes Hawaii is already a tax hell but uh, I've always been a proponent of, of rail or at least some idea that's not building more highways or more double-decker highways uh, honestly, since I was a kid, since I was uh, 14 years old, I, I did a class presentation on it. I said, just look at a map and look at Oahu and where where too many people are trying to go all at the same time. And it's practically a no-brainer. One narrow, linear corridor, Pearl City to UH uh, town, uh, you know, and that corridor, it's, it's, it's busy every hour of every day. There are traffic jams on weekends. Um, rail rapid transit you know mayor fossey was pushing it and i have to admit i had a soft spot for crazy mayor fossey and uh, then governor john why hey they weren't exactly friends but he he said too that maybe we should bite the bullet and raise taxes a little to pay for this and the the congress uh, had actually set aside 600 million dollars to help us out but still we fought about it argued about it it went on for years back and forth up and down and uh, in 1992, I distinctly remember because it was my senior year, and uh, finally coming to a vote, and Councilwoman Reen Mancho, yes, everyone's now favorite politician jailbird, she was the swing vote, and she voted against it and killed it. So here's another chance, maybe our last chance. Now, rail isn't the big answer to our traffic problems. You know, I'd grant that it's barely a tenth of a fix, uh, because we in Hawaii love our cars, frankly. You know, for people who can't drive very far on an island, we have more cars per capita than I think every other city in this country. I mean, we have more cars per capita than most cities in the world. I read 15 times the ratio that you see in Hong Kong. So, no, I sincerely doubt that the folks in their Mercedes and Escalade SUVs are going to get out of their cars and ride the damn thing. But it's not for them. It, it's not for them anyway. It's... it. it It'll be used by a certain number of residents, but those are the residents that need it the most. You know, you need your job, often more than one job, to survive here. And to keep your jobs, you have to be able to get to them. And, uh, you know, actually tourists are going to love it. In, in, in some cities, rail systems are practically attractions in their own right. And uh, it'll certainly beat what you see now, which are these full Roberts motor coaches sitting in traffic trying to get them you know, out to Waikele to buy shoes. L.A.-style gridlock is not exactly attractive to people here looking for Mai Tais and Hula Girls. Besides, you know, if you're going to slag on rail, and there's a lot of it going on out there, what, okay, fine, so what's the other answer? Yeah, widening H1. Already this thing is 14 lays wide, soon to be 15, through Pearl City, and uh, forget about widening it, widening it in town, unless you rip out thousands of homes and a few high-rises. Contraflow lanes, well, they've helped. The zipper lane's great, but it's it's limited, and it, and it only works when traffic trends in, in just one direction at a time, and that's not going to be the case much longer. Uh, toll roads, I've heard. You know, we live on an island with with relatively short freeways. These these booths would would hurt as much as they help, and it's I mean, locals already have trouble 
figuring out how to line up at a gas station, you know. And our surface street bypasses where everybody's going to try to go, they're already jammed anyway. And more buses, you know, Mayor Harris, he thought that was the solution. But if those buses are on the same roads as these cars, how is that going to help? Uh, and one thing I remember Peter Kay saying is traffic got worse in every city that implemented rail. And that, that actually, that always struck me as a little silly because traffic in every city is always going to get worse because there will always be more people and more cars. I mean, think of it this way. Just because the population keeps growing doesn't mean that it's a waste of money to to spend it on family planning and birth control efforts, you know. It's, it's, it's like sticking your finger in a dam to try and stop it from breaking, I suppose. But that, that, that at least it's something, and, and, and basically nothing is what we've done all this time for decades now. And, and frankly, given the serious traffic follow-ups that uh, we've had this week, I mean, it was so bad it made the front page and the evening news, and it took me an hour to go 12 miles to work at 5.45 in the morning, folks. So I can, I can see how bad it's going to get and uh, how some folks who are in love with their cars just might consider public transportation. And I tell you, if that rail comes up to Mililani, you bet your sweet bippy that I'm going to drop the car and grab my iPod and uh, ride that train. Now, you know, twice before the federal government opened their wallets and uh, twice before local politicians got cold feet, so you could actually make a case that rail now is pretty unlikely anyway, you know, considering... But, uh, you know, I'm pretty sure our politicians would find a way to spend all that money that the new tax will raise anyway if things just happen to fall through, which I suppose, and Peter Kay has figured out, might be, uh, you know, another reason why this proposal is just just sailing along. Ah, enough politics. Uh, as for the home front, well, you'll be glad to know that I got the van back from the Autoplex in YPO that shall remain nameless, and although it took them three days because they got this wrong and that part wrong or something, you know, they did fix it for free, so now Jen's a happy minivan driving mom. Uh, Alex, hallelujah, he started crawling yesterday. He's, you know, he's such a mellow, quiet, thoughtful kid. He... He always seemed just happy wherever he was, as long as he could see us. Or actually, as long as he could see Jen. Um, but, uh, you know, now he can pull himself along the floor with his arms. And he seems to have some idea that using his legs might help. And, uh, well, actually that means that we're going to have to go to DEFCON 2 again when it comes to what we leave on the carpet. Like most kids, Alex uh, eats everything. Fortunately, the things that he likes the most are too big to fit into his mouth, like uh, like Jen's head. And, uh, Zach. Zach turns three the first week of June. And believe it or not, we only realized a few weeks ago that Zach did not have a second birthday party. We had to go back and look. It was the same month that my grandmother died, and I guess we didn't feel it was a good idea to send out those invitations. So, this party will be a catch-up for his second year and an introduction to his third year. I have to admit, though, planning birthday parties isn't exactly anyone's idea of a good time, and I think, especially given Katie's enthusiasm, we're probably going to let the great folks at Chuck E. Cheese do all the hard work for us. Okay, well, you know, it's time for some music, folks. Now, chances are if you're a TV addict and uh, and you're not watching Lost, you're, you're probably watching American Idol. 
if not for the music, then to learn more about Janet Jackson's distinguishing characteristics. Uh, you know, you might have actually seen Jordan Segundo, Hawaii's first American Idol, on uh, on 2020 in their big expose about the whole scandal. He actually told the local papers that uh, he was kind of ambushed. They flew him out there. He thought he was just going to reminisce about the good old days, and everybody there only found out right before the camera started rolling that they'd have to talk about this this scandal, this affair. But, uh, well, we in Hawaii definitely know there was a time when American Idol was a simpler place, and that was when Jordan Segundo first made his mark in their second season. But he's been back in the islands ever since. He's not stopped getting around, and now he's promoting his debut CD entitled Jordan. And this song is off that CD. The song is called I'm Gonna Love You Anyway. It's just over three and a half minutes long. Enjoy. Walked alone for so long Told them that I won't need anyone Until you came along And I'll take all of the words right back But they question this Love found so quick what they say I'm glad it happened this way Let them talk night and day But it won't keep me away I don't care what they say I'm glad it happened this way I'm gonna love you anyway Anyway, 
Jordan Segundo, Hawaii's first American Idol, with I'm Gonna Love You Anyway, a track off his debut CD, Jordan. You can find out more at his website at jsegundo.com, and of course I'll have the link for you in the show notes at hawaiiup.com. Now if you're in Hawaii, you can actually catch Jordan on Saturday, May 28th at the 50th State Fair, so go and say hi. Now uh, let's check in with the wife. It's time for... The Pith of Pop, the podcast edition with Jen. Thanks for joining us, Jen. Hi. So what's on your mind tonight? I thought we'd do another top five. Uh, top five Pith of Pop countdown, and our category is... Animated shows. All right, number five. Um, something my daughter recently discovered called Foster's Home for Imaginary Friends. Yeah, I saw my first episode tonight as well, and I, uh, it was great. Fast-talking, uh, very clever humor, stuff for kids and for adults. Yeah, that's what I like about it. It's not cutesy, annoying, like, you know, a lot of the things that my kids watch. Um, the, the episode that you saw tonight was actually about computers and the internet. Someone found some embarrassing footage of one of the characters, posted it on the internet. It got remixed into all kinds of things like Star Wars and Lord of the Rings uh, parodies, uh, very much like the Star Wars kid. I was surprised at that level of pop culture and modern technology integrated into the plot. But, you know, it is really clever, but at the same time, it's really kind of cute and it kind of indulges your inner kid a little bit, even though it's got humor that you can appreciate. It's still really kind of sweet. Okay, Foster's Home for Imaginary Friends, number five. What's number four? SpongeBob SquarePants. Okay, well, he's the 800-pound gorilla of cartoons right now. What's so great about SpongeBob? Like a Foster's, it's got a lot of humor that will, will kind of go over the heads of kids, but that adults can appreciate. And you know, it's not sappy sweet but it is funny and cute and just to give you an idea what kind of people watch spongebob they run it on the spike network well that either tells you that it it's a cartoon with broad appeal or that the people who watch spike channel might have slightly lower iqs right okay spongebob square pants is at number four number three the tick the late great tick that that was so long ago but you're right that was some genius stuff it was great you know they tried to make a live action um, series out of it it lasted like three episodes but the that was with uh, Patrick Warburton Putty right Putty he was a great choice for that character he was great he was about the best choice that I could think of um, it didn't do too well because I guess people you know the transition from cartoon to live action it just kind of doesn't work and it is a little kind of strange type of humor it's very um non sequitur, very random. There was one of the characters was a guy who had a chair for a head. Another character was a was a little guy who walked around in bunny ears, you know? Right. Well see one of the things that I liked about the tick was, you know, the guy with the chair for the head, chair face, 
he one of the episodes was about him trying to write his name on the moon like like graffiti with a big laser gun or something right and then that carried over into other episodes and i you know th- i thought that was just so clever yeah every time you saw the moon after that it had cha and then <laughs> the rest of the moon was missing right so you know i i love the tick and i hope one day they'll bring it out on dvd i look on netflix every so often yeah the tick that was great stuff so that was ticket number three. What's number two? Aqua Teen Hunger Force. Ah, yes. Uh, cartoon Network. of More of a short-form cartoon. Yes, it's only 15 minutes long, and it usually runs in the... Or actually, it only runs in the Adult Swim block. Well, the adult Swim is the new phenomenon now, and like you said, with SpongeBob on Spike, it's all about grown-ups watching cartoons. Right. When Aqua Teen is funny, it's really, really side-splittingly funny. Um, my favorite episodes are the Cybernetic Ghost, a.k.a. the Danzig episode... Yeah. Um, brood witch and the satanic sandwich, right? The satanic sandwich <laughs> and the the moon and nights episodes. Those are the runaway uh, space invader characters, right? So, Aqua Teen Hunger Force, Cartoon Network, Adult Swim at number two, and finally the number one best animated show is The Simpsons. The Simpsons, the yeah. classic. Yeah, you know it's been on for I guess what fifteen years, sixteen years, forever, forever, and. A lot of people say that it isn't good anymore. That As it's, they say it jumped the shark. It jumped the shark, you know, which begs the question why you're still watching if you hate it so much. But, you know, it's evolved a lot, but they still find humor in everything. They still find things to make fun of. And they, you know, they they still present it in a, in a very unique way. I, I, I know that the... Humor is different, is what I would say, with the the newer episodes. And so if you were really schooled in the first five seasons, what you're seeing now is kind of hard to take. Then definitely, uh, if you thought that the political or social commentary was a little heavy-handed before, it's almost, uh, it's almost hard to take now. But that's what I like about it. You know, we need an animated series with a conscience and with a voice. And I think The Simpsons is, you know, I think it's perfect. And uh, before Alex... Before Alex rips our studio to shreds, I think we'll we'll say goodnight. But uh, just run down for again the top five best animated series of all time. Number five, Foster's Home. Number four, SpongeBob SquarePants. Number three, The Tick. Number two, Aqua Teen Hunger Force. And number one, The Simpsons. So whether you're an adult or a kid, but probably more if you're an adult, uh, these are the cartoons to check out. Thanks for joining us, Jen. My pleasure. Now on the geek front... Todd the Geek Cochran of Geek News Central, geeknewscentral.com, finally let the cat out of the bag this morning announcing that he has authored the first mass market book on podcasting with John Wiley and Sons. 300 pages, everything from listening to podcasts to creating your own. He covers the alphabet soup out there, RSS, RIAA, the works. Now, earlier this week, before the story broke, some members of the Hawaii Association of Podcasters met up in a park for lunch. So Todd told us how he got to write the book, and we congratulated him. I'll give you a little background first, I guess, so that everybody um, everybody knows who I am. I'm Todd Cochran with the Geek News Central Podcast, and in December of 2004, I was contacted by Chris Webb, of Wiley Publishing, and they contracted with me to do what is going to be the first release book on podcasting. It's going to be in their Extreme Tech series. The book is called Podcasting Do-It-Yourself Guide, 
And the the great thing about this is you can find it very easily by going to Amazon.com forward slash podcasting. And uh, we've got our own... Well, that's a pretty good uh, yeah, we got special a, URL. Yeah, there. we got a boutique uh, URL with Amazon. Cool. And they've already got it discounted price. I think it's like 14 bucks free shipment. And we cover everything in podcasting A to Z in this book. Um, you know, I, I did. I poured my heart. I poured my heart out in this thing. And uh, how long did you have to write it? I originally we were. I was not supposed to be done writing until a week, about ten days from now. But we, I uh, actually finished in like ninety-three days. I started writing um, the outline December twelfth. Finished the outline like January twelfth. Immediately started writing, and uh, about ninety days total. Of writing for 300 pages, that's pretty good. And what uh, what was kind of what kind of uh, motivated me was is that one Sunday I was sitting at the house and a phone rang and it was a author that's doing another podcasting book that's coming out later. (laughs) (laughs) And we didn't know it was later at the time, but uh, we did about had an interview for like an hour and you know I got all done. I said, "Oh, congratulations!" and you know, uh, by the way, when is your publishing date? <laughs> so little did he know, you know, and of course I immediately wrote my editor and said, uh, did you know this uh, book is coming out this date? And so they said, well, you've got two choices. You, you can write faster or you can write faster. <laughs> <laughs> did you tell but him when your book was coming out? He, I, he didn't tell him, I didn't tell him he was writing. They don't book. know. They don't know. Oh, okay. So I'm sure they did because, you know, all the publishing houses have a hot sheet or whatever of what's coming out. You know, the book has been the book's been on Amazon for two months. If you did oh, if you I go to if you go to Amazon if you went to Amazon.com two months ago and did a search on podcasts, you'd have found it two months ago. But I amazingly only a handful of people figured it out. Figured it out. Why now and, and those that may have found it just didn't say anything. But uh, are you gonna do the book circuit here? In Hawaii? Am I going to do the what? Book circuit? Like, um, I'm sure we're going to have some, probably... It, it I want depends, my autograph copy. all depends on... The, <laughs> we'll do something no matter what, but it, it's, it all depends on the demand. If the bookstore will promote uh, promote it, and so we'll probably do one. Maybe but I think, my, you know, for, for, if anything, like the little tech community that yeah, resides here, it would be great to have somebody like you, local, and writing it. Yeah, no, we need to parade them around. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, it needs to be paraded. Seriously, it's a great victory. I mean, you know, hey, local boy does the, it, we're proud. Yeah, yeah, you even get the, the, you know, the newspapers to write something up on it or something, you know, yeah, I mean, absolutely. they're always looking for something. No, no, absolutely, no question. All right, Peter, so what do you think about Todd's announcement? Well, as a, it's just a great victory for the local tech community, and we couldn't be more proud of you, Todd. I think it's uh, it's been great to see you being one of the first podcasters around. You've led the charge not only nationally, but you've also led the charge locally. You've inspired us, and uh, we're all probably podcasters because of you. And um, you know, we, we it's a fantastic example. It's a great thing. Local guy does well, and I just let me be the first to informally congratulate you to say, "Way to go, brother! Way to go, man!" Thank you. <laughs> that was Peter K of VoteHawaii.com. Here's uh, Bert Lum of Rough Take. Well, I'm still trying to, you know, like chew my food, but uh, <laughs> I want to congratulate Todd. And, you know, it's amazing because, you know, you, you think about Hawaii and you think about, you know, this being sort of like uh, out in the middle of the Pacific and nothing really happens over here except maybe a little surfing and some hanging out on the beach. But, you know, to realize that the first book on podcasting is being written by a guy on Hawaii being, you know, and it's being, um, and it's sort of starting a little, you know, podcasting scene here in Hawaii. Uh, and we're sort of at the vanguard of a, of a whole 
tech culture scene happening, you know, which is, I think, testament to what we can do out in Hawaii. So, congratulations, Todd, and uh, I hope to see more great things coming out of this uh, community of ours. And finally, Shane Robinson, who's uh, who definitely has an angle on podcasting and the business prospects. What do you think? Um, having moved here a little less than three years ago from the mainland and having run business there for over 15 years, um, I was surprised at the level of technology, integration, and talent that's here. So in response to what Todd said about it being wired and what Bert said about you know, it, it, there being a, a good community here, um, I'm, it doesn't surprise me. What surprises me with this is the speed with which this stuff is coming together. So having been around when email was brand new and trying to get our clients and other people just to use email and then trying to convince our clients that they needed to not only have printed brochures but websites were going to be of use for in the future sometime and they couldn't quite get it. Having to try and convince them over the past year or two that blogs are really important to keep in contact with their clients and now to see podcasting take off this quickly and and then to see people like Todd, who has had a blog for, for three years or so, I think he just celebrated his third anniversary, um, one, to be contacted so quickly by the publishers that shows that some publishers are really getting it and they're probably watching for the next big thing, but then to be able to turn around and be able to, one, continue his day job, two, continue to do it, put out a show at the quality that he does a couple times a week and put a book together speaks volumes to both the, the technical community here and the dedication that, that people have. Um, I mean, it's not only here, but it seems to be very concentrated here, and it seems to be a lot easier to find here than has been my experience in other cities on the mainland. And, of course, I send my heartiest congratulations to Todd as well. You know, with a wife and kids, with a full-time job and a twice-weekly podcast at home, I don't know how he did it, but I'm glad he did. The first podcast and book ever, folks, on store shelves the first week of June. But, uh, you know, I already pre-ordered mine, and uh, you can, too. Just go to Amazon.com slash podcasting. Come on, who can forget an address like that? Just pick it up early, and uh, congratulations, Todd. Uh, another geek note, on Sunday, Eric Rice of audioblog.com will be kicking off his podcast video blog roadshow right here in Hawaii. So uh, I and some podcasters and uh, hopefully the one other video blogger I know about is uh, going to meet up with him. You know, the man is a powerhouse of a promoter, but I guess he's got to do this because, you know, his service, audioblog.com, does everything you might want it to do, automatic audio blogs and video blogs. But the only folks you ever read about in the newspapers or on TV are the folks who just have grand plans to do the same thing. Anyway, you can uh, find out more about him and the tour at his personal site, ericrice.com. And uh, I don't know, maybe I'll have something for you next time. Okay, hey, you know, it's time to go over the episode 10 quiz, the self-indulgent all-about-me quiz. And, uh, you know, I got three times the number of responses that I expected to get which means to say I got three responses. Well, not including my wife, of course, who I said couldn't play. And the winner, by one answer, is Mel from right here in Honolulu. Now, uh, Mel knows me, which I suppose gives him a leg up, but uh, a lot of the questions that I asked really only did come up in the show and not in any conversations that we've had. So congratulations, Mel. You win the T-shirt. Uh, you can also have the can of Spam, I guess, uh, though you can get your own at the corner store. So, the answers to the quiz, which I figured might serve as a good introduction to those new to the show, 
are, uh, are as follows. Here's the answers. Question number one was, where do I live? Well, I live in Mililani in central Oahu. Mililani is... Well, pretty much the state's largest uh, residential community, or at least largest planned residential community, which uh, means manicured parks and half a dozen rec centers and everything's clean and bright, but uh, it also means that there's an association so strict that I think they're going to cut your fingers off if you paint your mailbox the wrong color. Question number two was, where's Jennifer, my wife, from? She is from Florida. She was born in Jacksonville, and uh, she actually lived up and down the East Coast, military brat, but she spent most of her formative years in Ocala, Florida. That's uh, central Florida, middle of nowhere, and, uh, you know, despite that, she turned out pretty normal, I think. Uh, question number three is, where did I meet Jen? And I met her at UH Hilo on the Big Island. You know, she ended up there on a lark. She just decided she wanted to go to school in Hawaii, and Hilo was listed in the phone book before Manoa. And uh, I ended up there because I was chasing another girl, actually, who uh, ended up dumping me just after I filed the transfer papers. So I keep thinking, boy, my kids are lucky that my heart got stomped on that summer. Question number four was, what was the names, or what are the names of my three children? And you've heard them now. That's Katie, who's seven, Zach, who'll be three, and uh, Alex, who... Uh, <laughs> nine months. He's nine months old. I can never remember. Uh, born in August. So, uh, you know, you hear from all three of them from time to time. Question number five is, in what religious faith are we trying to raise our kids? And uh, we're trying to raise them Catholic, trying being the operative word. Uh, Jen is Catholic, though reluctantly Catholic. And uh, although I'm an atheist, uh, we figured we should give the kids that kind of a groundwork. And let me tell you, it's 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 really interesting. It gets kind of weird when uh, my daughter tries to ask me questions about spirits and uh, where where geographically heaven is located. Is it here, California? Question uh, number six is, uh, where on the Big Island is my family from? And my mom's family is from Kapa'au uh, and Havi on in the Kohala district, which is the northern end of the Big Island. It's beautiful and quiet up there. Question number seven was, who did Jen predict was going to be the first major character to bite the bullet on Lost? And uh, she got it right. She said it was Boone. I said, oh, that's ridiculous. It's so obvious. He's such an easy choice. But uh, shows what I know. So, uh, though, you know, somebody else might kick the bucket before the season's through. Question number eight was, uh, who's the politician I love to hate? Why, former Honolulu Mayor Jeremy Boondoggle Harris. He's, uh, you know, he's still going to be spreading his lies at the AIA, uh, American Institute of Architects Conference, uh, on the 19th. I was trying to figure out if anyone in the Hawaii chapter of the AIA was going to call him on his BS, but... I just did a little Googling, and it turns out that Ben Lee, his right-hand man, when he was fleecing the city, well, uh, he's a prominent AIA member, so, so much for that. Question number 10 was, uh, what does Hawaii Up mean? And this is the one question that Mel got wrong, uh, but the other two entries got right, actually. But uh, Hawaii Up means nothing at all. You know, at least I didn't intend for it to mean anything. When I started the show, it was just a test. I just used one of my spare domain names, hawaiiup.com, uh, to host it. And I figured, what the heck, so it stuck. So, uh, you know, maybe my next contest will be coming up with something for Hawaii Up to mean. Uh, now, I didn't forget question nine. I just, I just wanted to talk a little bit more about my answer. Now, the question was, what is my political outlook? That is, you know, left-wing or right-wing, liberal or conservative? 
Now, the correct answer, and uh, everyone got it, was liberal. That is, uh, that is what I call myself when forced to pick one or the other. But as I mentioned, you know, I've, I've, I have a pretty confused, inconsistent, uh, I suppose you could say hypocritical mix of beliefs that pretty much make me, well, unwanted in, in any political affiliation. The reason I thought to ask that question was two people independently just listening to this show thought that I was a conservative or I was a Republican based, to, based on what I was saying, I guess. And I had to think about that because it wasn't the first time that I've gotten that. At times, even Jen says that I'm a closet conservative, especially when I go into cranky old man mode and start ranting about kids these days. Uh, you know, one guy said it was because I kept making fun of local politicians. And since most local politicians are Democrats, I guess that must have made it seem like I was a Republican. But frankly, I think making fun of politicians is, is, is a pretty natural nonpartisan pastime. Uh, I think my overall point, which I'm probably going to muddle, is that uh, you know this bipolar segregation of people into one or the other camp is is well it sells everyone short, and we all know this. We all know this intellectually, but uh, even I know that when I that when I hear what someone calls themselves, I'll either put up or lower those shields. You know, when I get that first hint of uh, are they on that side or are they on my side. Uh, you know, the two guys who thought that I was Republican because of the show, I wondered after we talked that, uh-oh, I guess I'm I'm kind of uncool now because I'm not. Uh, but, you know, I mean, they, I know, think that uh, political, they know that political alignment isn't all there is to somebody. Uh, so why might, why, why do I say I'm liberal? Well, you know, I'm emphatically pro-choice, uh, at least as far as I think it's any of my business, which I don't. I'm an environmentalist. Uh, I generally support the expansion of social programs, the social safety net. Uh, I support, you know, public support of the arts. I think that museums are just as important for government to do as, you know, sewers and stuff. Uh, I'm definitely in favor of individual rights, uh, you know, gay rights. Uh, I'm against the mixing of religion and civic affairs. I voted against George Bush. Uh, so censorship, no. Organized labor, uh, I don't know, maybe. Why might I be a conservative? Well, you know, I believe in the, I, I do believe in the value of rehabilitation, but I also think there is a place for the death penalty. Uh, while I'm not interested in uh, giving a machine gun to a toddler, I found that my feelings on gun rights are a little to the right of most of my friends. Um, apart from the social safety net, I actually think that government should be smaller, should butt out of our lives and keep itself out of debt, definitely. Uh, and I do not think, like most of my friends, that capitalism and globalization is going to end all civilization. You know, I generally think that messing around with the free market is, is well, at least it'll make things worse. Uh, I voted for Linda Lingle, our Republican governor. And uh, actually, the last actual political work I did was running the campaign for a friend's run for state office under the Republican ticket. So what does that make me, you know? I know some of you are going stupid or, or confused, but, you know, without a doubt, I've expressed at least a few points of view that you agree with and a few that you disagree with. But I certainly don't think with all that that you can put me in one camp or another. And I hope that, uh, well, I hope that you're listening more for uh, everything rather than whether or not we agree on something. Frankly, I get uh, I get bored with a world that just echoes everything I've already thought. I actually find, uh, for example, conservative bloggers more interesting to read. Uh, I mean, they make me really mad, but, uh, you know, I actually think that they're interesting, whereas lefty blogs are kind of predictable and sometimes a little embarrassing. 
So uh, it, it does it does make you wonder why I call myself a liberal, and I I really don't know. I figure it's I like to say that it's because of the parties. You know, conservatives probably have better wine and caviar, but uh, liberals just have more fun. They know how to party. Uh, not that I'm politically active in any case, or go to parties, or are a member of a party. But, uh, you know, I agree that even using the label lightly like I do can make things messy. Mel, in particular, the guy who won the contest, uh, particularly enjoys using my liberal label to poke me even when we agree on something. So, uh, you know, if you've got a better label for me, just let me know. Call me whatever you like, just not late for dinner, right? But uh, for now, just think of me as some guy in Hawaii. And, uh, you know, I certainly want to get to know you out there as people rather than uh, IP addresses, so tell me about yourself uh, or what you just don't get about me. Tell me what you think about the tax business or uh, just what's on your mind. Just call the Hawaii Up listener line at 808-356-0127 or email me at comments at hawaiiup.com. I've said it before and I'll say it again, I absolutely love to hear from you. And, uh, you know, frankly, the more I know about you, the better the show can get. I mean, if it turns out that you're all, uh, I don't know, midget albino lesbians, I'll, I'll make sure to focus more on whatever lesbian midget albino is like. So uh, drop me a line, get in touch, give me a holler. Hawaii Up is just me, but uh, I make it for you, so uh, just uh, make, make contact. And uh, with that, it's definitely time to say goodbye. Mahalo, everybody. Thank you very much for listening. Please take care. Mahalo, Pono. Until next time, ahui ho.